Well, this morning we're going to be talking about overcoming temptations. So let's begin by talking about what is a temptation. Well, a temptation is, is a desire or a thought that is contrary to God's will. Uh, it's always something that is not truth. It is something that is based on a lie. Every temptation is based on a lie. The Greek word for temptation means either to tempt or to test. And so a temptation tests us. It tests us to see if we're going to be obedient to God or not. And if we resist or overcome this temptation that comes at us, we pass the test. However, if we give in to the temptation, we fail the test and we sin. When we give in to temptation, we sin. And sin always has negative consequences in our lives. It has negative consequences for our relationship with God. Negative consequences in our relationships with other people. And even other things. And so we want to overcome temptations. Uh, I want to overcome the temptations in my life. And I'm sure that you do too. Because each of us recognizes when we give in to those temptations, bad things happen. And we don't want that to happen in our lives. So how can we overcome temptations? Well, currently we're in, in a, the whole series we're in currently is following Jesus. And so we want to learn this morning how to overcome temptations by following Jesus' example. Following Jesus is not just a poetic thing. I'm a follower of Jesus. It means doing the same things that Jesus did. It means following his example. It means Speaking as Jesus would speak. Speaking the things that he spoke. That's what it means to follow Jesus. So last Sunday we saw that Jesus underwent two baptisms. He was baptized in water by John the Baptist. As he came up on the, out of the water, the Spirit came down and anointed him. He was Spirit baptized. Two baptisms. Water baptism, Spirit baptism. To follow Jesus' example as believers, we also need to be water baptized and Spirit baptized. In case you missed it, I don't remember who was here last Sunday, but if you are, pretty much we all recognize water baptism, spirit baptism, maybe you don't know as much about it. It perhaps hasn't been talked about as much. There's a book on the table in the foyer called Power for Life. We encourage you to pick that up. It'll help you understand more about spirit baptism. And so to follow Jesus' example as believers, we need to we need to experience those two baptisms, and those two baptisms will give us the power and prepare us to face difficult temptations, which are going to come in our lives. And so this morning, we're going to see how Jesus, how this worked out in Jesus' life. Again, last Sunday, we looked at Luke chapter 3, those two baptisms, and this Sunday, we're looking at Luke chapter 4, in which Jesus encounters temptations. But before we get to that, I want us to look at one promise about temptation from God's word in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Now, in your bulletin, these scriptures are written out. You can follow along there uh, as well. I'd encourage you to do it. In fact, on the back of the outline is some study questions, which I write every week. I don't know how many people are aware of it. I'm thinking, is anybody looking at them? I don't know. Uh, but every week I put questions, and they're meant to, uh, in your quiet time, to take a look at it and see if you can answer them. You, maybe you can't answer all of them. Some of them uh, you just need to think about. If you, if you want to ask, you can ask me <laughs> how I would answer them. I don't have an answer key anywhere. 
but you could, you could ask me. But they're just there to get you to think about the passage uh, and the message and how to apply it to your life. I encourage you to take advantage of it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Well, that is, it's a promise from God. It's a packed promise from God. So let's look at it a little more carefully. It says here that we all have temptations. Sometimes we might think, I'm the only one being tempted. No, everybody has temptations. In fact, it says, uh, you're experiencing temptations that are common to man. Sometimes people think, well, my temptations are just too strong. You know, I, I, you know, I'm sure your temptations are weak. I've got the rough end of the, of the stick here. I just have really strong temptations. That's why I have so much trouble. No, your temptations are no stronger than anybody else's temptations. Now, they might be different. Everybody doesn't have the same temptation. They might be different. But people have temptations. They are all common to man. But the wonderful thing about this promise is that God, in essence, puts a protective zone around you. And he is going to protect you from a temptation that would be too strong for you to withstand. Isn't that incredible? In fact, that protective zone is... Uh, is, is is created just for you. Because maybe you can't handle like really strong temptation. Maybe somebody else can. So maybe you're kind of weak. And so you've got a protective zone around you that's not going to allow Satan to tempt you with a temptation that's too strong for you to withstand. Now when this protective zone is around you, it doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted. But when the temptation comes, Jesus promises or God's word promises that God's going to provide an escape hatch, a way for you to escape the temptation, a way for you to resist or overcome the temptation so you do not have to give in to it. And so all we have to do when we're tempted is to say, God, somewhere there's an escape route. Somewhere, there, somewhere there's a way for me to resist, to overcome, to evade this temptation, to not give in to it. We find that and we overcome temptation rather than being overcome by temptation. So because of this promise, we can never say, the devil made me do it. I had no choice. It was too strong. I couldn't resist. You can never say that as a believer. There's always a way to escape. So temptations are going to continue to come. They come from little on. They don't stop at a certain age. They continue throughout life. They're always going to come at us. But God can help us to overcome them through his word and through his spirit. And so rather than temptations over destroying us and overcoming us, when we withstand temptations, it actually strengthens us. It makes us stronger. And that's what we want to happen. Now the devil's aim in temptation, in all temptation, is to weaken or destroy our relationship with God. When we give in to temptation and we sin, it has an impact on our relationship with God. 
Of course, we can get that relationship restored by repenting, getting back on track with God. But when we successfully overcome temptation, it strengthens our relationship with God. So our story this morning, now getting back to Luke chapter 4, we'll begin in verse 1. Remember, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus had just been water baptized, anointed with the Holy Spirit, or spirit baptized. Verse 1, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan to Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. So what do we see? After Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it says he was full of the Spirit. Somehow this was a new dimension in Jesus' life. And then he was led by the Spirit in a new and powerful way. He was led by the Spirit to be tempted. Isn't that interesting? He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. It was part of the Spirit's plan for Jesus to be tempted. It's part of God's plan for you to be tempted. And to overcome the temptation as Jesus did. And so the one tempting Jesus was the devil or Satan. It's the same being. It's our adversary. It was Jesus' adversary. He's still around. He's still active. And as God has a legion of angels on his side, the devil has a legion of fallen angels or demons on his side. And they're constantly at war. And the prize is human beings. They're seeing who they can win for their side. And in the end, we know who, who wins. It's God. And so Jesus went on a voluntary 40-day fast in the wilderness. And at the end of the 40 days, as you might expect, he was hungry. You go 40 days without eating, you're going to be pretty hungry. At the end of the 40 days, he was weak. And guess when Satan came to tempt him? At day one? No, at day 40. Satan always comes to tempt us when we are weakened in one way or another, when we are vulnerable. So let's learn how Satan tempted Jesus and how Jesus overcame those temptations so we can follow them. The first principle I believe we're going to learn is that we... In order to overcome temptations, we must seek God's kingdom first and not our own needs. So during this encounter, well, let's read this verse first and then we'll talk about it. Verse 3, the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, in this encounter with the devil, with Satan, he was, Jesus was tempted three times. And in two of those times, the devil started with the phrase, if you are the son of God. The devil was saying, if you really are who you say you are, Jesus, then use your supernatural power to turn this stone into bread. Use your power to meet your physical need for food. You see, Jesus was... Totally human, totally divine at the same time. But his human body was hungry. He had not eaten for 40 days. That body needed food. Jesus was hungry and weak. Jesus was being tempted to use 
supernatural power to meet his own needs. Now, Jesus' purpose on earth was to carry out God's mission. God had given him a mission. And the way Jesus did that, he said it many times, was to only do the things God told him to do. He would only listen and speak the things that God told him to speak. And so God the Father had not instructed Jesus to turn a stone into bread. The devil was tempting him to do that. And to do what the devil said would have caused Jesus to sin. It would have broken his relationship with God. Of course, it would have been a total disaster. Now, we can argue all day long, could Jesus have sinned? And I think for the temptation to be real, he could have. You see, the devil was once a high-ranking angel in heaven, perhaps the highest-ranking angel in heaven, and he rebelled. He sinned, and he was cast out of heaven. How did Jesus counter the temptation in his weakened state? Well, verse 4, Jesus answered him. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And so the first thing that we can learn, and one of the most important things we're going to learn this morning, is the way that you overcome, the way that I resist temptation is by using God's word, by using the Bible. In this case, Jesus used a quotation from God speaking to Israel it's found in Deuteronomy 8.3. At this time, Israel was wandering in the desert. Uh, there was no food there, and God fed them with supernatural manna. It rained down from the sky every morning, and they went out, collected it, and that's what they ate. They didn't have real bread. And it says in this verse that they would know, <clears throat> that they should know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus' first loyalty was to follow the voice of God, his Father, to do the things that his Father spoke to him, that his Father instructed him to do. That was his most important thing, not to meet his physical needs. He was to listen to God and follow him. And so that's what Jesus is saying. I don't live by bread alone. I, that isn't the most important thing to me. The most important thing to me is to, to follow what God is telling me to do, maintain my relationship with God. And when I do that, God's going to take care of me. Now, we don't read it in, in the Gospel of Luke, but you know, as we learn, Jesus resisted the temptation. He did not turn the stone into bread. And what happened? Well, in the Gospel of Matthew, which also recounts the temptations of Jesus, it says, when all the temptations were done, what happened? Angels came and ministered to him. They brought him, I don't know, it doesn't say what they did, but I'm sure they brought him food to eat, and he was fine. So God took care of his needs. He did not have to uh, follow or give in to the temptation. And God will take care of our needs as we seek his kingdom first. And resist temptation. So how can we follow Jesus' example here? To overcome temptation. The first key is to knowing and using God's word. Which shows us God's will. Which shows us what the truth of God is. God's word 
the more we know it helps us to discern what a temptation is because temptations are always based on lies. You have to think about that. Every time you're tempted to do something, it's a lie. Um, what should I use? You see, it's hard to use temptation examples because people will think I'm talking to them. Uh, <clears throat> let's just say you are tempted to... Uh, let's use a mild one. Eat too many Christmas cookies, right? You know, it's like, I, oh, they're so good, you know? Just, I eat one, just one more. Uh, you know, what about another one? What about a third, you know? And, and the lie is that... It, you, what, what feels good is good for me. But in that case, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with eating cookies, but eating too many cookies, at some stage it passes over into the sin of gluttony and it's not good for you healthy-wise or anything. So at some point, uh, you believe that lie and you, you take it too far and you fall to a temptation. And so we need to be able to, it's kind of a trivial example, but we need to discern what the truth is. Uh, from God's word and it tells us actually that overeating is a sin uh, we need to understand that and maybe that would would help help us to discern that temptation and resist it so the entire passage here is <clears throat> showing us the importance of listening to God we listen to God by reading his word we listen to God by opening our hearts to hearing his spirit speak to us and simply following what he tells us to do. So what kind of other temptations? We had one example here, but would this temptation be an example for us? Well, they would include all of our physical needs. They would include the pleasures that we might have in life, the desires that exist. Some of these, like the one I talked about, are wrong only when it's to an excess. Others are always wrong. Others have certain, say, permissible zones that we can partake in uh, one obvious one is uh, sexual pleasure is only permitted in a marriage between one man and a woman outside of that zone it's wrong it's sin uh, sexual pleasure between unmarried couples or between people of the same gender is wrong it's sin and so it's only permissible within a, a certain zone uh, things like Taking drugs, they might, it might be pleasurable. Uh, I'm talking about illegal drugs or things that get you addicted that have no uh, beneficial use. Uh, it's wrong. It alters your state, and it's something that God's Word tells us not to do. So we need to know God's Word. We need to listen to God's Spirit so that we can discern what temptations are, so that we can resist and overcome temptation. And we need to remember that the ultimate goal of Satan and temptation is to destroy or damage our relationship with God. That's what he wants to do. And ultimately, if people continue to give in to temptation and they are not forgiven, they're going to end up in hell for eternity with the devil and his, and his angels. So the more that we learn to follow God's leading, the more we're going to be able to overcome what's referred to often as the temptations of the flesh, uh, the temptations that we all face from time to time. So we need to seek God's kingdom first and not our needs or desires. Second temptation is we're going to learn to worship God alone and not anything or anyone else. 
Verse 5, And the devil took him, that's Jesus, up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So somehow the devil took Jesus to a high place, a mountain or something, and gave him a vision of all the kingdoms of the world and all over the whole face of the earth. And the first thing that says to me, the devil has great power. Uh, he can do all kinds of things to tempt people. And these kingdoms that Jesus saw in a moment of time, in a flash, you know, across the entire globe, kingdoms on the other side of the world, everywhere, they represented all the people and all the power in the entire earth. So, these were things that Jesus saw with his eyes, in essence, and through this vision. He saw all that he could have, all this power, all this authority. And then after he saw it, then the temptation came. The devil said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. So the devil offered all this authority, all this power over all these kingdoms on the one condition that Jesus would worship him, that Jesus would worship the devil. Now, Jesus knew that one day he would rule over everything. He would rule over every kingdom. But he wasn't doing it actually right then. God's path to the final victory would only come by Jesus carrying out his mission, which included him dying on the cross. Did Jesus really look forward to dying on the cross? No, we know he didn't. He prayed. God, if it's possible, remove this from me. It was difficult. He knew it would be, you know, it was the hardest thing in Jesus' ever whole existence. He's lived forever, but that was the hardest test of all, going through with the cross. And the devil was giving him a shortcut, a shortcut to having this authority. Now, how could Satan offer this to Jesus? People wonder about that. Well, because he's the ruler of the people of the earth, is he not? He's the ruler of the unbelievers. The Bible says he's the prince of the power of the air. And there are more unbelievers than believers, aren't they? So, and there's a sense that he controls the kingdoms of the world in one way or another. How did Jesus respond? Well, we probably can guess we're going to see a pattern here. He responded with Scripture. Verse 8, Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And so the scripture is clear, we are to worship only the creator. We are not to worship any created thing. When people worship created things, they are worshiping idols. And so for Jesus to worship Satan, he would be worshiping a, you know, an evil supernatural being, it would be an idol. That is not who we are to worship. And whatever you worship, you become like and you serve. And so if Jesus was, would worship Satan, he would become like Satan and he would serve Satan. Now, of course, that would have been a total, complete disaster. But Jesus was committed to serving God the Father and following God's plan for his life. He would worship the Lord, his God, his Father, and serve Him only. Ultimately, this is going to happen. Jesus is going to be literal 
King of kings, Lord of lords. There's a sense he rules over all now, but we do not yet see his kingdom established on this earth in the way it's going to be established when he returns. And so when Jesus returns, ultimately the devil, his angels, unbelievers will be removed from this planet and he's going to rule and reign. Just as Satan tempted him with, it's going to come in reality in another way. And so we also must worship God alone and not anything else. And so the sin behind this temptation is, is I might say that it's pride. Uh, I want to be the ruler of everything. It's, it's all about, the temptation was, you can have it all now. Uh, you, can, you can take control of everything right now. The desire to have power, to have prestige, to have popularity at any cost. And so... The temptation was for Jesus to receive this power if he would simply worship the devil. And pride is behind many temptations that we face today. Some people will go to any extent to achieve popularity with uh, physical friends or now we have virtual friends, right? And some people will do all kinds of things to have you know, thousands or millions of virtual friends on some platform. Others will pursue wealth or power to impress other people. Other people seek after money so they can use it to gain the things that they desire so that they can be recognized as some type of wealthy person or some type of powerful person. Now Jesus' response to the devil was that our worship and our ambition in life should be to worship and serve God alone. That should be the highest goal of our lives. That should be our ambition. That should be our mission in life, to worship and serve God. Now in that, God may give us other things. We may be, most likely, we pursue careers, we pursue family, we pursue other things. Those are, but it's all under the umbrella of worshiping and serving God. That's how we do these other things. And so be careful who you follow. Be careful what you imitate. Be careful who you hang around with. You might not call it worship. But whatever you live for, whatever is your primary focus in life, is what you worship. And we need to worship God alone, not anything else. Finally, third temptation. We're going to learn how to follow God and not test him. Verse 9, and he, that's the devil, took him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. So in this temptation, Satan tempted Jesus to try to force God into doing something, to test God. And so Jesus was at this high pinnacle of the temple. I forget, I looked it up, but I've forgotten how high up it was. It was very high. So any human being who jumped from the pinnacle of the temple would die. I mean, there's no question about it. it. You would be dead when you hit the ground. And so Jesus was tempted to jump from this pinnacle of the temple unless God intervened. And so this test would, in essence, seek to force God to do something to save Jesus before he hit the ground to work a miracle in this artificial situation. God was not telling Jesus to jump. It wasn't God's idea, it was Satan's idea. In fact, in this case, 
very interesting. Satan goes on to quote scripture. Jesus is quoting scripture. Now Satan says, I know the Bible too. I'm going to quote some scripture for you. To show that God would protect Jesus if he jumped. So Satan quotes verse 10 from Psalm 91. He says, for it is written. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to match you. It is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Well, Psalm 91 does speak of God protecting believers. Here we see as in the Garden of Eden that Satan knows Scripture. I mean, he, he has far greater understanding and knowledge than any one of us. He understands the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And especially for believers, he twists Scripture to tempt us. He twists its meaning to his own ends. It's as if um, in today's world, you know, Satan would say, hey, you know, if you're really a person of faith, and he would use these same scriptures, you're a person of faith, you want to know how to impress the world, you want to know how to see everybody come to Jesus, I mean, this would be on the news, just run out on the freeway, in front of a speeding car, and trust God to save you, you know, to stop that car. Hey, that's, that would be the temptation today. Those types of temptations from Satan are designed to steal, kill, and destroy. And we'll see what's wrong with them by Jesus' answer. So Jesus answered Satan's quoting of Scripture with his own Scripture in verse 12. Jesus answered him, it is said, or written, same thing, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So this temptation was putting God to the test. If Jesus jumped, it would put God to the test. Now, this quotation comes from the time when the, when the Israelites put the Lord to the test, Scripture says, at a place called Massa. They were thirsty, and they commanded the Lord to give them water. They said, you know, if you really are with us, if you really are who you say you are, then you're going to give us water right now. We want water right now. If you don't give us water, then, you know, you're, you're nothing. They put him to the test. And uh, it was quite clear that that was wrong. In fact, it says that it is wrong to test the Lord your God. That's what it says in what Jesus quoted. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And so Satan's temptation of Jesus was the same kind. If he jumped and died, it would show God was not real. So it's forcing God to protect him. So following Satan's suggestion would be testing or attempting to force God to do something that was wrong. So Jesus resisted the third temptation. And in verse 13, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. We don't have any other recorded incidents in Scripture of the devil tempting Jesus, but we can be sure it happened. Uh, we're sure it happened when he was praying in the garden before the cross. We can be sure other times in life that Satan waited for opportune times. What are opportune times? Times when you are weak, times when uh, things are difficult, uh, different times in life, 
The devil tempts us at opportune times, the times when we're weakest, the times when we're most vulnerable, the times when we're tired. Different times the devil will tempt us. Jesus overcame temptation by following God and not testing him. So in what ways are we tempted to test God today? Again, we test God when we try to force God to do what we want him to do. That's not what prayer is supposed to be about. It's really not about our will, it's about God's will. But when we try to force God to do things that we want him to do, we can test God. We may say or pray, God, if you don't really care about me, if you really love me, then I want you to do this. That can be testing God. Now you can tell if you're testing God if you're going to blame God if he doesn't do what you ask him to do. Let me say that again. You can tell if you're testing God if you're going to blame God if your prayer is not answered. This often happens. I've heard it many times from people. One of the prime cases is when people pray for somebody to be healed. They're not healed. They blame God. Say, God, you know, you didn't heal this person or this person died that I prayed for. And, you know, you didn't answer my prayer. And sometimes they say, I'm not going to believe in you anymore. I don't believe you're real. They tried to test God. Now, does God heal? Well, absolutely, he does. We see it from Genesis to Revelation. We see it uh, in our time. God does heal. Does he promise to heal every single time? I would say no. You know, if God healed people every time we prayed, what would result? People, most people, unless you got in it, well, even that, you would never die, right? Every time we got sick, every time something happened, we prayed they were healed, we would never die. And God never promises we're going to live forever in our physical bodies. There is a time, uh, there is a time when it's our time to go, and it usually happens through some type of physical illness, right? Or an accident, but usually, or a war, it happens. The bottom line is that we are to follow Jesus and not command him to follow our instructions. You know, Jesus doesn't follow us. We are to follow Jesus. And sometimes people get that mixed up. You know, Jesus, you just do what I tell you. I just ask you to do this. And if you don't, you know, what's wrong? Like, No, we follow Jesus. Uh, Jesus is not following us. And so when we're following Jesus, we won't be testing God. So how can we overcome persistent temptations in our lives? Well, we learn from Jesus that the way to overcome temptation is by speaking the word of God that applies to that situation. I say, how can I do that? I mean, how am I going to know what scripture to tell the devil to back off with? Well, you need to know your Bible, right? You need to, that's one of the reasons we encourage everyone to read and study your Bible. Just coming to church on Sunday mornings is great. We're supposed to do that. Is that enough? No, not enough. Uh, you're not going to know enough to be able to combat the temptation of the enemy. We need to be in God's word each and every day, reading, studying it, so that we will have the ammunition to fight back when we are tempted by Satan. We also need to have this discernment of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit, listening to his voice to be able to discern temptations. We overcome temptations by seeking God's kingdom first in our lives. Jesus told us, uh, don't worry about anything, but seek God's kingdom first and he will meet your needs. And as we do that, that's going to help us 
overcome temptations. We worship uh, God alone. We don't worship anything else. God is our primary focus in life. We follow God. We don't test him. And in those ways, we overcome temptation. And as we do that, we grow stronger. I don't know if I should say this. As we grow stronger, our, the strength of our temptations will increase. I mean, that's how it works. Um, but we'll never be tempted beyond that which we are able to overcome. God puts the protective zone around us. And as we grow, we'll experience increased blessing in our lives. Now, obviously, to overcome temptations, we need to be a believer. Uh, we need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, to do that, we need to admit that we've sinned. Uh, we have given in to temptation. Everybody has. Nobody is accepted. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need to admit that we've sinned. We need to repent, turn away from that sin, ask Jesus to forgive us, believe that he died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead, and we commit ourselves to following him as our Lord and Savior. And so let's bow our heads right now. <clears throat> if you'd like to pray this prayer for the first time or to recommit your life to the Lord this morning, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've given into temptation in my life. I've done things I knew were wrong. I repent. I turn away from those things and I ask you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I believe you're alive today. You rose from the dead. And I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.